Welcome to Bandcamp. My name's Dan. And I'm Jennifer. And this is the podcast where we read banned books to try to find out why in the heck they were banned in the first place. And this season we are reading Ray Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451. And the last section we learned why the firefighters do what they do. If you remember, Montag, the night before him and his firefighter buddies killed an old woman and burnt her books, that did not sit well with Montag. He went to bed, woke up sick, decided he was going to call in sick to work. He threw up and all of a sudden out of the blue, here comes Beatty knocking on the door saying, buddy boy, what's up? We missed you today. Come on into work. Montag did not want to. Beatty gave him a quick rundown on here's why we do this. We're actually heroes. We burn the books because people don't want to think. They don't want to have thought. Just they want to watch TV. Everything's fine. And we're the good guys. We're the people who just take all those issues and take them away so they don't have to think. They can watch the parlor TV walls and everything's good to go. By the way, I know you stole a book. I'm good with that for 24 hours. See you at work today, right, buddy? And then he left. In the meantime, though, Montague is thinking to himself, I'm not going back. This is BS. Did I miss anything? I think you you captured it all. That's pretty much it. So with that being said, let's get back into the book. Montag turned and looked at his wife, who sat in the middle of the parlor talking to an announcer, who in turn was talking to her. Mrs. Montag, he was saying, this, that, and the other. Mrs. Montag, something else and still another. The converter attachment, which had cost them $100, automatically supplied her name whenever the announcer addressed his anonymous audience, leaving a blank where the proper syllables could be filled in. It's just a little bit like Alexa. Ray Bradbury, author and future teller. A special spot Wavex scrambler also caused his televised image in the area immediately about her lips. Oh, those are using a special spot Wavex scrambler, are they? <laughs> that sounds like like when you live in Seattle, so you might appreciate it. You know how the Space Needle kind of looks like what somebody from the past would think the crazy science fiction future would look like? Yeah, that's the point. Yeah, yeah. That that's probably Ray Bradbury. But like, what would this device be called? What is a device that would be called that would take words and scramble them? I got it. A special Wavex scrambler. It really does sound like something from the 50s. So yeah. in the area immediately about his lips to mouth the vowels and consonants beautifully. He was a friend, no doubt of it. A good friend. Mrs. Montag. Now look right here. Her head turned, though she quite obviously was not listening. Montag said, it's only a step from not going to work today to not working tomorrow, to not working at the firehouse ever again. You are going to work tonight, though, aren't you? said Mildred. I haven't decided. Right now I've got an awful feeling I want to smash things and kill things. Oh. <laughs> I'd act on that feeling, man. I think that's healthy. <laughs> Go take the beetle. No, thanks. The keys to the beetle are on the night table. I always like to drive fast when I feel that way. You get it up around 95 and you feel wonderful. Sometimes I drive all night and come back and you don't know it. It's fun. I'm making a prediction. Mildred killed Clarice. Ooh. What do you think of that? By the way, Mildred, real head case. When she gets all bent out of shape, she likes to go 95. That makes her feel better, driving like a maniac. Yeah. Hmm. Sometimes I drive all night and come back and you don't know it. 
It's fun out in the country. You hit rabbits. Sometimes you hit dogs. Go take the beetle. Awful. I hate her. I hate her with all the passion. But it's everyone, though. Apparently, this is what people do. Some people are like, I mean, people are can be awful. Isn't it you that told me where you grew up used to try and hit turtles or something? (laughs) I don't know if I ever told you that, (laughs) but I do have memories of people doing that. I think you told me that. And I was horrified. Yeah. I honestly tried to wash that memory from my head. No, I don't want to this time. I want to hold on to this funny thing. Oh, good. Oh, good point coming across here. Because people don't like to feel their bad feelings. But how can you not feel bad, though, if you go out and you hit a bunch of rabbits? How is that going to help? Wouldn't that create more bad feelings? I mean, yeah, you'd think so. Then do you just go get and kill more rabbits? I I don't know where it ends. And it does say that he did that before. Like, no, I don't want to do that this time, right? Yeah, he did say this time. I did this whole thing. Okay, I'm just, if it's 500 years in the future, I don't know what people are going to be like. You don't know what these evil rabbits have morphed (laughs) into, Jennifer. They're all assholes. (laughs) I'm just not sure. Maybe I just can't imagine it. Like, I just don't have the imagination, I suppose. No, I don't want to this time. I want to hold on to this funny thing. God, it's gotten big on me. I don't know what it is. I'm so damned unhappy. I'm so mad and I don't know why. I feel like I'm putting on weight. I feel fat. I feel like I've been saving up a lot of things and I don't know what. I might even start reading books. He's got a body image problem. <laughs> He's starting How to does read that books. figure in? How does it because, figure in at all? Because the days of the caveman, there was a handful of cavemen who thought, does this loincloth make me look fat? In our current time, does this shirt make me look fat? 500 years from now, does this tunic or whatever the hell I'm wearing make me look fat? Everyone's always going to have body issues, right? I don't know. I don't know anything about this future. All right, let's see here. I might even start reading books. They'd put you in jail, wouldn't they? She looked at him as if he were behind the glass wall. He began to put on his clothes, moving restlessly about the bedroom. Yes, and it might be a good idea. Before I hurt someone, did you hear Beatty? Did you listen to him? He knows all the answers. He's right. Happiness is important. Fun is everything. And yet, I kept sitting there saying to myself, I'm not happy. I'm not happy. I am, Mildred's mouth beamed, and proud of it. I'm going to do something, said Montag. I don't even know what yet, but I'm going to do something big. He then killed Mildred. (laughs) I was thinking, I was thinking of that. Like, why not? What's the difference, you know? I'm going to do something, said Montag. I don't even know what, but I'm going to do something big. I'm tired of listening to this junk, said Mildred, turning from him to the announcer again. Mont- That's where he would kill her. <laughs> yeah, because I get over. <laughs> Montag touched the volume control in the wall, and the announcer was speechless. Millie, he paused. This is your house as well as mine. I feel it's only fair that I tell you something now. I should have told you before, but I wasn't even admitting it to myself. I have something I want you to see. Something I've put away and hid during the past year. Now and again. Once in a while. I didn't know why, but I did it and I never told you. Is he going to open up the the, the vent? little uh, the vent? Yeah. Is he going to get out the 3D sex book? <laughs> he took hold of a straight back chair and moved it slowly and steadily into the hall near the front door and climbed up on it and stood for a moment like a statue on a pedestal, his wife standing under him, waiting. 
When he reached up and pulled back the grill of the air conditioning system and reached far back inside to the right and moved still another sliding sheet of metal and took out a book. Without looking at it, he dropped it to the floor. He put his hands back up and took out two books and moved his hand down and dropped the two books to the floor. He kept moving his hand and dropping books, small ones, fairly large ones, yellow, red, green ones. When he was done, he looked down upon some 20 books lying at his wife's feet. I'm sorry, he said. I really didn't think. But now it looks as if we're in this together. You dick. Oh, oh thanks, honey. I don't think so. We're not in this together, Babu. <laughs> I'm trying to watch my wall of TVs. Mildred backed away as if she were suddenly confronted by a pack of mice that had come up out of the floor. She could hear her. Oh, there's that imagery of them being alive again. He could hear her breathing rapidly, and her face was paled out, and her eyes were fastened wide. She said his name over, twice, three times. Then, moaning, she ran forward, seized a book, and ran toward the kitchen incinerator. He caught her, shrieking. He held her, and she tried to fight away from him, scratching. Millie, no, wait, stop it, will you? You don't know, stop. He slapped her face and grabbed her again and shook her. She said his name and began to cry. Millie, he said, listen, give me a second, will you? We can't do anything. We can't burn these. I want to look at them, at least look at them once. Then, if what the captain says is true, we'll burn them together. Believe me, we'll burn them together. You must help me. He looked down into her face and took hold of her chin and held her firmly. He was looking not only at her, but for himself and what he must do in her face. Whether we like this or not, we're in it. I've never asked for much from you in all these years, but I ask it now. I plead for it. We've got to start somewhere here, figuring out why we're in such a mess. You and the Medicine Knights and the car and me and my work. We're heading right for the cliff, Millie. God, I don't want to go over. This isn't going to be easy. We haven't anything to go on, but maybe we can piece it out and figure it and help each other. I need you so much right now, I can't tell you. If you love me at all, you'll put up with this. 24, 48 hours. That's all I ask. Then it'll be over. I promise, I swear. And if there is something here, just one little thing out of a whole mess of things, maybe we can pass it on to someone else. Hmm. So he's opening up. He's being honest. He does still love her because it's like, look, we have to figure out what's going on with me. We got to figure out what's going on with you because you probably shouldn't be taking a bottle of sleeping pills every night and then going to hit rabbits and dogs with your car. Yeah, he's he's uh, offering her his hand. He's like, I need you. He He's so lonely, you know. The problem is he knows he's going through something and Mildred does not have a clue. She's happy with her stupid little world yeah she's not quite there yet and uh he's taking a chance taking a chance on her wasn't fighting anymore so he let her go she sagged away from him and slid down the wall and sat on the floor looking at the books her foot touched one and she saw this and pulled her foot away that woman the other night millie you weren't there you didn't see her face and clarice you never talked to her I talk to her, and men like Beatty are afraid of her. I can't understand it. Why should they be so afraid of someone like her? But I kept putting her alongside the firemen in the house last night, and I suddenly realized I didn't like them at all. 
and I didn't like myself at all anymore, and I thought maybe it would be best if the firemen themselves were burnt. Guy, the front door voice called softly. Mrs. Montag, Mrs. Montag, someone here, someone here. Mrs. Montag, someone here, softly. They turned to stare at the door, and the books toppled everywhere, everywhere in heaps. Beatty, said Mildred. It can't be him. He's come back, she whispered. The front door voice called again softly. Someone here. We won't answer. Montag lay back against the wall and then slowly sank to a crouching position and began to nudge the books bewilderedly with his thumb, his forefinger. He was shivering and wanted above all to shove the books up through the ventilator again, but he knew he could not face Beatty again. He crouched and then he sat and the voice of the front door spoke again, more insistently. Montag picked a single small volume from the floor. Where do we begin? He opened the book halfway and peered at it. We begin by beginning, I guess. He'll come in, said Mildred, and burn us and the books. Oh, she's scared. But now Mildred knows, and she's a wild card. I mean, he might have been able to get her to come over, but I don't think now, not with Beatty and the danger right there. They must, they must be spying on them. They must be. Like, how else would Beatty know to come back? Well, he came the first time because Beatty sensed Montague was going through something. Yeah, but why'd he come back this time? He forgot his fire starter? I forgot something. I mean, why would he come back? Yeah, you're right. Oh, God, this is actually pretty uh, suspenseful right now. He'll come in, said Mildred, and burn us and the books. The front door voice faded at last. There was silence. Montague felt the presence of someone beyond the door, waiting, listening. Then the footsteps going away down the walk and over the lawn. Let's see what this is, said Montag. He spoke the words haltingly and with a terrible self-consciousness. He read a dozen pages here or there and came at last to this. It is computed that 11,000 persons have at several times suffered death rather than submit to break their eggs at the smaller end. Mildred sat across the hall from him. What does it mean? It doesn't mean anything. The captain was right. Here now, said Montag, we'll start over again at the beginning. End of part one. It's computed that 11,000 people have several times suffered death rather than submit to break eggs at the smaller end. Okay, what is this book? Oh, Jesus Christ, I took green eggs and ham. This was such a <laughs> terrible waste. Why did I take this stupid book? It's time for PPP, Problematic Points to Ponder. What, if anything, would be considered banworthy in this chapter? So far, a third of the book, and I don't know why it would be banned. I don't know why mm -hmm. it would be challenged. There is nothing in here that I can even think of. Like, I think we're both pretty biased in that you're pretty against book banning of almost any book. Can we think mm -hmm. of a book that should be banned? Like, what about uh, Hitler? I don't think it should be banned. I think people should know about that. I think they should know about that book. I, I do too. It's god awful. Like, we want people to know the history. What you know? Right. It's like a historical artifact. Right. I mean, if if it's not out there, people can start saying, "Oh, Hitler wasn't like that." And instead, you can read his words and you're like, oh, yeah, he was. He's that asshole. Was there anything man-worthy, not only in the section we just read or in the entire first third of the book so far? Last time maybe was the first time where we said the 3D sex book and like one sentence about heroin or whatever. Doesn't seem man-worthy. Yeah, I'm going to have to be on the same page with you on that. And that was just, it was just a small infinitesimal part of the of the book, you know? Right. 
Right. And it could have been way worse how Ray Bradbury writes. He, he could have done one of his typical list things. And the people are free to take their heroin, their Black Betty, their smack, their crack, <laughs> your dank, your disco biscuits. Disco biscuits. <laughs> your jazz cabbage. <laughs> your magic carpet ride. Hulu. Netflix. Oh, wait, they're going somewhere else. Oh, my God. From bandworthy to binge-worthy. So we go from, uh, again, nothing band-worthy to something I think is binge-worthy. Again, I have to mention, you have to give our friends Hesse and Maven a listen. Hi, I'm Justin. And I'm Raven. And, and we're Hesse and Maven. Maven. We're siblings who do a podcast. And every episode we talk about something else. One episode might be about our favorite Disney songs or Pokemon or queer icons. Another episode could be about monsters or books or food. We may not always see eye to eye. Yeah, but... I mean, I've seen you drink milk, like straight milk out of a glass. Raven, that's not in the script. We're trying I know, to but promote they... the show. They need to know. Oh, oh, okay, whatever. Um, Check out Hesse and Maven wherever you find your podcasts and on YouTube. Those two crack me up. That is it for today's episode, everybody. Thank you for being here. Join us next time for the next part of Fahrenheit 451. See everyone next time. Bye.